friends, we can all listen to the sunny side of sports. Great show, bro. This is sunny side of sports. Right here on the Voice of America. Voice of America. A sporty greetings to all our Voice of America listeners. I'm Jackson Vungani in Washington. Welcome and thanks for joining us. Let's start off the show with some World Cup news. Ghana is one of the five countries that will represent the continent at this year's World Cup. The Ghana Black Stars, a team that is not new to this tournament, is considered one of the favorite contenders for the trophy. And recently, they were the only African team to win their international friendly in the run-up to the FIFA World Cup in Qatar in December. The Black Stars defeated the South American nation of Nicaragua 1-0 in the Spanish city of Loca. Even though they went on to lose to Brazil 3-0, there's still optimism that they will put on a better performance after learning from their mistakes in previous World Cup appearances. So, how excited are Ghanaians to support their team in November, and who are some of the players that are likely to make a difference this time around? For that, I reached sports reporter and analyst Victor Atsu Temaklo in Accra, Ghana. Not many countries on the continent or in the world get to say that their team is representing uh, at the World Cup. How excited are Ghanaians to see their team make it to the World Cup? Well, I think Ghanaians are very excited. Um, obviously, the pain of missing out in the, of, on the 2018 World Cup and the disappointing nature of the 2014 campaign made people long for this more than ordinarily you would have. And the general excitement is also a sort of influenced by the fact that you have quite a number of high-profile Ghanaian players playing and some of the top teams in European football. And so there is that expectation that we are going to have world-class representation in our team, just as it was back in 2006, back in 2010. I mean, if you look through the team now, Kudus Mohamed is, is in the form of his life. Thomas Partey just scored a wonderful goal for Arsenal. He's got Kamal So, Astalisu Mohamed, and a few players who Ghanaians have really taken to. And so that strong bond between the fans and the players and seeing mm. that their favorite players are doing well in Europe is, is also adding to the sense of expectation. And that they're hoping that, uh, you know, the, 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 their performances in other leagues in Europe and other places around the world, that they can translate that into a good performance at the World Cup. That's the hope. Um, mm. And it's not something that only the fans are having, but journalists as well. Because right. if you look at the Black Stars for some time now, the team has not been able to match up to the expectations. Uh, since making the final in the AFCON in 2015, it's been downhill uh, since that time. And right. if you look at the Black Stars team that we have had, there's always been the suspicion that we may not have been represented by the best of our players. But post the AFCON in 2022, uh, that was perhaps our in memory, there's been a few changes. So Otuado has come in as the coach of the team and he's brought some new energy into the team with some new players right. that a lot of people are expectants that are going to do well. There's optimism that the new coaching staff, the new coaching team has actually prepared them quite well. Let me let me ask you this. The, the, the Black Stars recently lost to Brazil uh, during an international friendly in France. What was the takeaway from that game in terms of how they are likely to perform? That exercise left Ghanaians more confused than it did offer any clarity in terms of what we are to see at the World Cup, because before this game, the expectation or the whole conversation was about Otuado having, for the first time, an assembly of players that are perhaps 
better suited to the brand of football that he wants to play. He had already talked big about having Salisu and how he gives him that option of playing a third centre-back in the team. But the ex we did not get to see him start Salisu against Brazil for us to have a fair assessment of the balance the team has and what would have been the foundation on which the team would be able to play some attacking football and then get results. But what's not in doubt is that there's a lot of attacking quality in the team. Uh, there's Thomas Partey, well-known. Kudus Mohamed has scored just yesterday, now seven goals in his career, and is on the cusp of hitting double digits. No one mm. would have dreamed of that if you had asked anyone somewhere in June. Uh, you know, who, who are some of the players that we should be looking out for, the ones that are likely to be the playmakers, the difference makers? Obviously, um, the cameo that Iñaki Williams against Brazil was one that I think he took full advantage of because even though he did not score, the runs, his movement, and his uh, connection with the teammates gave Ghanaians an impression that he was a significant upgrade on the rest of the players that the Black Stars perhaps have given opportunities to in the past. So Iñaki is one of those players to watch out for. Kudus Mohamed undoubtedly is another player that a lot of expectations are going to be on his shoulder. Salisu Mohamed brought a certain stability and authority to the defense that previously had not been seen in the Black Stars team. Tarek Lante is another star waiting to explode in the Black Stars jersey. So in terms of quality, there are quite a number of players to look out for. Osman Bukhari at Real Star Belgrade is another one of those players. Kamal Sowa scoring for fun in the Champions League. And so uh, we, without bragging, I would like to say that we're a sports for choice in terms of starter. <laughs> I love the optimism. Uh, and, and what would you say are some of the mistakes that were made in the previous appearances uh, that you would love to see them improve upon? I would say the tactical naivety, if there is anything like that, in the games versus Brazil in 2006, in 2010, I think the team was not street smart enough. Otherwise, uh, Jan and Co would have demanded for a goal instead of asking or protesting for a penalty in that infamous Luis Suarez incident. And then, of course, we know the distractions that um, prevented the team from excelling in 2014 and, in 2000, and even making it to the World Cup itself in 2018. And so, uh, technically, you expect the team to be a bit more prepared a bit more to show a bit more maturity in terms of how they manage games when when we're having a good spell and when we're not. Uh, because I, I've always believed that a prepared and proficient Ghana team without distractions is always going to be competitive. So once we get, we're able to iron those kings out of the way, we should see a very interesting Black Stars team at the World Cup. Yeah. Um, any Any special... Uh, celebrations, uh, festivities to send them off soon? What, what is the tradition usually before they, they, they go to the World Cup? Well, there is often one last training session where the fans will get to see the team before they end playing um, to wherever the World Cup is taking place. Uh, because uh, very often the pre-tournament campaign takes place in a region uh, that, that is a bit close in terms of climate conditions to where the tournament is going to take place. So you have the team not spending too much time in Accra. The fans just get to see them once. Um, and, and which is often in, is in a very formal setting where they meet with the president or the sports minister and basically let the team know what the expectations are and give them assurances of the people's support before the end play. So that's one exercise um, that we're expecting will take place, especially now that we've got new players who have not played in Ghana before. Inaki has not played for the Black Stars. 
in Accra or anywhere on the continent since switching nationality. The same goes for Tarek Lamptey and a few of the other players. And so it would be a good opportunity for them to come down, bond with the, with the fans and before they and play, into the, and play for the Black Stars. Just to conclude, Gideon Mensah mm-hmm. in an interview recently spoke about what it felt to have over 40,000 fans at the Babaya in that playoff tie versus Nigeria to all of them behind the team because he said even though he had played in front of bigger crowds, never had he, had he had such numbers knowing that they were behind him. And so that sort of energy is something that I feel the players could feed, could feed off if mm. they have such an encounter with the fans. Absolutely. It's, it's always nice to know that you have a, a fan base that is behind you 100%. Uh, Atsu, thank you so much for taking time to chat with us. Always a pleasure, Jackson. That was sports reporter and analyst Victor Atu Temaklo. I reached him via phone in Accra, Ghana. This is Sunny Side of Sports on the Voice of America. I'm Jackson Vungani. The World Cup in Qatar is around the corner with the host nation kicking it all off November the 20th when they take on Ecuador. This is undoubtedly one of the most popular tournaments in the world watched by billions of people. The last World Cup in Russia four years ago set the record for the largest audience across the tournament. It is estimated that a combined 3.5 billion people tuned in from all around the world to watch the competition. So we asked you to tell us about your favorite teams while making predictions on which team is likely to clinch the trophy this year. Uh, My name is Nyambi Jude. Uh, living in Kampala. Yeah, about the World Cup, it's a sport that everyone waits along. So it's happening between the, it's coming ahead of festive season and we think uh, it will be crazy, it will be fun. People feel like they will spend and have fun, move here, travel, so it will be fun. Uh, regarding the, the different countries that are going to play, yeah, the European continent has got talent, but I feel as Africa we've got talent too. So I feel happy and I feel pleased if an African country takes it all. Uh, preferably to me, I would wish Senegal to take the trophy. Why I, I should uh, why I should go for Senegal is one that, uh, true, we have never reached that final stage of the World Cup, but I think this time round, the likes of Sergio Mani and the exposure of different uh, talent that is in Senegal, this time round I see, I see Senegal making it. What I'm forgetting is they even took the African Cup of Nations. Yeah, Sinoka has got talent, we can make it. Sinoka, oh I'm also still Obaj Gabriel from South Sudan. About the World Cup which is coming, so our country is ready also to participate from that World Cup. Not this one, the one who is going now, the other one. So also we are going to, to participate on that uh, World Cup. We are expecting, say, uh, Af- African team also who participate also. Uh, to win that uh, trophy, not uh, Europe to come and take that uh, trophy. Uh, African must take that cup. Senegal is doing well, so uh, we have a hope from that team of Team Gold to take that uh, trophy cup. I heard that it's going to take place in Qatar, but I think most people in Uganda won't be able to. <laughs> Some people in villages don't have television, so what? maybe they will listen to it on radio and... Most people want to watch. Yeah. I'm Mugabe Enoch. Yeah, my predictions, I think Brazil will win. 
Brazil is taking. Owing to the players they have, the likes of Vinicius Junior, the likes of Neymar, the team is balanced generally. Yeah. Don't know. I don't know much about World Cup issues, but but for me, I'm excited and I'm waiting for it to come to see how it's going to be, how the matches are gonna be. So I'm eager. I want to see how the teams will perform. I'm called Jamal. My, 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 my beat will be Brazil. Mm, why, why am I saying Brazil? Because Brazil is one of my favorite and is, the, is one with my best, with, is the one with my, one of my best players I support in the whole world. Okay, to me, I love Brazil. That's why I'm saying that it's, it will take World Cup this time. Many thanks to all of you for sending in your opinions on the World Cup and your favorite teams that you predict will win the trophy. Border Crossings. Join host Larry London. Larry London. On Border Crossings, VOA's only worldwide music request hour. Whoa. Every weekday at 1500 Universal. Tune in for the biggest hits and amazing artists. Win prizes and get the latest news from exclusive celebrity interviews. Ooh. Send your requests to Facebook at VOA Larry London, Twitter at Border Crossings, or Instagram at Border Crossings VOA. Or call 202-619-2077 and have your favorite music played to the entire world. Ah. Don't miss Border Crossings every weekday at 1500 Universal, only on The Voice of America. The sunny side of sports continues, and let's go to Japan, where the Japan Open Tennis Tournament is underway in Tokyo. All eyes are on Nick Kaigos, who won on Tuesday, but Australia's number one admitted afterwards that he struggled in the 66-minute game telling reporters that, that he had difficulty breathing due to high humidity and different air conditions that is compared to back home. Kaigos, who suffers from asthma, also noted how the courts were speeding up, something he feels will work to his advantage as he seeks his second title this year. And while tennis fans are following the action at the Japan Open in Tokyo, the tennis-like sport of pickleball is gaining its own legion of fans in the United States as one of the most popular sports in the country. Gwen Uten has details. Sporty greetings, Jackson. Despite its funny name, pickleball is reportedly the fastest growing sport in the United States. And the number of Americans who play the game has doubled to more than 4 million in the past five years. Sonny Tannen is a pickleball coach and USA ambassador for the sport. He explains to Reuters News why pickleball is experiencing a boom in the U.S. and across the globe. Pickleball, basically, the number one thing about it, it's probably the most fun and social sport that you can ever play. It's the one rare sport that you can have every age, every generation, every background, ethnicity. It doesn't matter where you come, walk of life, pick up this sport, and you can be just have a, you can have a good time at it. You can be good, or you can just be a recreational player. Uh, so I think where's the sport going? I think the more people that start to pick it up and the more that you start to share it with your friends, I think more and more people are going to start playing it. 
Pickleball was invented in the United States in 1965 by the fathers of three household families who named the game after a family dog, Pickles. The game is played with a paddle and a plastic ball with holes and is a cross between ping pong, tennis and badminton. Four pickleball courts can fit in the space of one tennis court, and beginners can quickly learn how to call the shots. And devotees like 26-year-old William Shin, 70-year-old Gary Lieberman, 53-year-old Marnie Brown, and 54-year-old Cheryl Sun say pickleball is more than just a sport. It's a lifestyle. You know, I told myself, you know, I'm going to first start out with pickleball, and then I'll transition back to tennis since I since I haven't played tennis for such a long time. But, you know, ever since then, I've only stuck with pickleball, and I've completely ditched tennis. I am a golfer, but uh, but I sometimes now make, make excuses why I can't make it to the golf course because I don't want to miss a, a day of pickleball. I play almost every day. I found a community here and started playing, and it was... Um, kept me from day drinking so it was a really fun community and i've met so many interesting people and every day i play i meet somebody new and i feel like it's been a, a just a really special part of my life now well when i play i feel like i'm on vacation that's really what it is <laughs> yeah it is my vacation every day Older players are also attracted to pickleball because it's easy on the body. But the sport has garnered interest among young athletes, too. 23-year-old Ben Johns is a professional pickleball player who is ranked number one in the world. And he says those who come to play are from all ages and backgrounds. Uh, you know, I think more than anything, it's going to be known in the future as kind of a sport for anybody and everybody. Uh, I've just seen so many different types of demographics play it doesn't matter what your age is guy girl what you do your sport background no sport background pretty much anybody can go out there and have fun immediately and, and play with each other on like same even ground basically so it's the first sport i've seen whereas it's not just a spectator sport like football or something like that it's something that everybody wants to play and they want to watch it because they love playing it According to USA Pickleball, the country is struggling to keep up with high demand. So as the sport continues to gain momentum, Sonny Tannen says he won't be surprised if pickleball one day surpasses tennis in popularity. It's not a pressure to compete at the level of tennis and you have to go become a superstar. Pickleball is very much about community and social. So do I see it overtaking tennis? I think it's just another racket sport that's out there and yeah, maybe in popularity, it will take over tennis at some point. But remember, it comes back to business also. Is it the business of driving revenue or is it the business of finding something that you can do that gives you, you know, hope and inspiration and enjoyment basically to play this sport? And I think that's what pickleball is. Pickleball is also growing as a spectator sport that's increasingly attracting corporate sponsorships. Hundreds of pickleball tournaments are popping up across the United States, and as international participation grows, organizers plan to bid for the sport's inclusion in a future Olympic Games. And that is all from me, Jackson. Back over to you. Many thanks to you, Gwen. Voice of America. Let's go to Nigeria where the former captain of Nigeria's national men's football team, John Michael Obi, has announced his retirement from professional football after 20 years. 
or be retired at the age of 35 having played for Chelsea and Nigeria's national men's football team, also known as the Super Eagles. Obi won Africa Cup of Nations title with the Super Eagles in 2013 in South Africa and the Champions League with Chelsea. Duro Ikazugbe is the sports editor of the Lagos Best This Day newspaper. He has also followed Michael Obi's football career. Ikazugbe spoke to reporter Mike Mbonye about Obi's retirement from professional football. It's really great to know that John Mikhail Obi has actually decided to call time on his uh, professional career. And uh, it's good for him to enjoy his retirement, having played at the highest level, having done so well for himself, having done so well for, for, for both country and club. Uh, I, I think the best thing at 35 is for Mikhail to sit back and relax and look back and say, OK, I have done so well and enjoy, I need to enjoy my retirement. I, I'm, I'm saying this in particular because uh, there's nothing for him there anymore. For, nothing left for him. He 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 won African Cup of Nations with Nigeria in 2013. He was at the World Cup in 2018. He has played in, in several competitions for Nigeria, both at the at the, at the youth level and, and 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 at the senior level. And and and, and he has seen it all. I mean, for, at both club and and, and 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 country, he has so much to show for it. As a journalist who has followed Mikel's football career, what are some of the memories of his games for club and Nigeria? I, I was there in 2005 in, in the Netherlands when um, Mikel uh, pre represented Nigeria in the World Youth Championship then, as it was called, now the FIFA Under-20 World Cup. He, 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 he was so magnificent. He, magnificent. He, 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 he finished the tournament as the second best Best player of, of that of that of that edition, next to only Messi, Lionel Messi, who was then was coming up for Argentina, and of course Nigeria played in the final, but unfortunately we lost to, we, we lost we lost we lost to Argentina, but we saw Mikel in his element. Then he was an attacking midfielder. Then he was he was playing the the, the, the uh, playmaking role, and he did it so well. And I, I think that is one one uh, role that Mikel played at the youth level that. You can't forget Mikel when you look back to when Nigeria, when Nigeria participated in the World Championship in 20, 2005, Mikel was, was really good. Do you think Nigeria has potential to produce players in the class of John Obi Mikel? Of course, he has also talked about uh, his uh, uh, the Champions League final, which uh, uh, Chelsea won back then in 2012, where he played a massive role in ensuring that uh, uh, the, the, the Blues actually laid their hands on, on, on that trophy. I mean, with having won the Champions League, won the Premier the, the Premiership, won the, uh, the Europa League, won several other competitions at club, club level, and making a mammoth 372 appearances for, in Chelsea Jersey. I think Mikel should, should be seen as one of our legends in, in the country today because no matter what, you, you you just you just have to put him up there among some of the best who have achieved anything that is there for us to achieve in football. So for me, Mikel Mikel has done so well for him for himself and done so well for for, for Nigeria and retiring in retirement. We need to appreciate it. That was Duro Ikazugbe, sports editor of This Day newspaper. He spoke to reporter Mike Mbonye on the telephone from from Lagos in Nigeria. Voice of America. 
And in some basketball news, let's go to South Africa, where 10 years ago, America's National Basketball Association, the NBA, launched its first African youth development project near the city of Rustenburg in South Africa's northwest province. Since then, the Royal Bafokeng Junior NBA program has produced scores of players who have represented their province and the country in national and international basketball tournaments. More than 100 former participants have gone on to study at universities and colleges in South Africa, with two alumni receiving full scholarships to high schools and universities in the United States. Darren Taylor has more on this story. The partnership between the Royal Bafokeng Nation and the NBA has this year alone reached more than 20,000 boys and girls from across South Africa's platinum belt. The program includes a youth basketball league, elite development camps for the top 50 boys and girls, coaching clinics and basketball court refurbishments. I don't even call this work anymore. This is something that I do every day, every minute. I enjoy it and I'm grateful to have been given this opportunity. Frank Triore, originally from Burkina Faso, is a major figure behind the remarkable story that's unfolded among the Bafokeng people over the past decade. Once a top college basketball player for the Manhattan Jaspers in New York, Triore has been based at the NBA's Africa headquarters in Johannesburg since it opened in 2010, where he's now head of operations. He's forged a close relationship with the Bafokeng, and especially King Khosi Leruo Molotlehi. It's a marriage made in heaven. The king flew to New York, met with the commissioner, and then struck a deal, an agreement, where the NBA will come in the community to grow the game of basketball and use basketball as a tool to instill life skills into the community. That's very different. Can you imagine a village in the middle of nowhere nobody ever heard of partnering with one of the biggest professional leagues in the world. As Triore explains, the program hasn't just been about giving youngsters an opportunity to play basketball. An entire economy has been built around it. Locals have constructed basketball courts, been trained to be administrators, coaches, referees. But, says Triore, before any of this could be achieved, Bafokeng youth who for generations worshipped the game of soccer, had to be sold on a sport some had seen only in TV ads. Only the NBA could have done that, to be quite honest. Because of the resources and the expertise, you cannot fail with the NBA. Failure is now part of the equation <laughs> when you do things with the NBA, right? We always find a way to make sure we deliver on the projects and programs that we run. Triore, his team and his Bafokeng partners have rolled out basketball in 44 schools with leagues now involving 118 teams. The program has impacted tens of thousands of youth throughout the years. At least 100,000 almost, if I can say that. Basketball is the number one sport in the community for all Bafokeng today. Everywhere you go, even in the streets, people play the game. You can see kids dribbling. He says the Bafokeng people are just like others in Africa and worldwide. They're attracted to basketball because it's more than a sport. It allows for the intersection of culture, music and fashion. 
The NBA's growing the model across the continent, says Traore, with junior NBA programs now involving millions of children, plus basketball schools to develop them into even better players. Then when you take it that far, we have what is called the NBA Academy. That's an elite component of our development pyramid, where the best players in Africa go there and they can get high-level, high-performance development. And some of them will have a chance to play professional, go to the NBA, or even play in the BAL, which is the Basketball Africa League, which is the premier league, professional league in Africa. Africans who've become modern-day big names in the NBA include Cameroonian pair Joel Embid and Pascal Siakam, Serge Ibaka from Congo Brazzaville and Bismarck Biombo from DRC. Traore says the NBA's ultimate goal is an ambitious one. To build a predictable pathway for young people in Africa where a young man can learn to play the game at the grassroots level all the way to become a professional without leaving the continent. Even if you go out of the continent, your skill level is equal or comparable to your peers in the U.S. or Europe. He says lack of opportunity and resources have so far prevented more Africans from reaching the top in basketball, not lack of talent, skills and desire. NBA Africa projects are, however, changing this, helped by eager partners such as the Bafokeng. For the sunny side of sports, I'm Darren Taylor in Johannesburg. And that wraps up this October the 5th edition of the Sunny Side of Sports. My name is Jackson Vongani. Remember to connect with us on all social media platforms. We are on Facebook and on Twitter. Visit our website at voaafrica.com to listen to previous shows and all our other Voice of America shows. I'll catch you again right here tomorrow on the Voice of America. 